What's going on, everybody? Brennan Schaefer is back with another episode of Be Shafe Daily. Excited to get into it with you all today. And the topic of conversation that I have planned for this episode on Monday, October 12, is perhaps not all that pleasant if you're a Cardinals fan, because we're going to be talking about the torrid pace of former Cardinals outfielder, current Tampa Bay Rays outfielder, Randy Arozarena, as he's lighting it up for Tampa here in this postseason. The Rays up one game to none on the Houston Astros after Sunday night's win, a win that was helped along once again by the offensive contributions of Arozarena. Now, I'm looking at his career postseason stats. He got a few at-bats last season for the Cardinals on their postseason roster. Didn't do anything then, didn't get any hits in that postseason. But understandably, he didn't really have a lot of an opportunity with the Cardinals, as many of you may remember. I can remember thinking back to times when Jaro Munoz was playing in the outfield, getting multiple starts per week as an outfielder. And Arena was leading the minor leagues, AAA, the Pacific Coast League, leading in all hitting categories, essentially, as the leadoff man for the Memphis Redbirds. And it was like he just couldn't get a chance with the Cardinals. Even when they finally called him up, for whatever reason, in Mike Schultz's lineup, he wasn't getting consistent opportunities. And that was even after Lane Thomas had broken his wrist, I believe it was, that put him on the injured list for the rest of the year. And so there were opportunities in the outfield to be had. He couldn't get him consistently. You remember the game he had against Arizona where he hit a big home run late. Uh, I, I don't even recall whether they won that game or not, but I remember that was kind of a moment where you're like, see, this is what we're talking about with the Rosarena. We'd love to see him get a chance. Didn't really get that chance even in the postseason with the Cardinals last year because the at-bats that he did have, four at-bats, struck out three times. None of those were in games that he started. He he came in off the bench in each of those games, had five plate appearances, a hit by pitch, three strikeouts, and one more out. So he was 0 for 4. The one time he did reach base, looks like he stole a base. So get an idea for you know what he could bring offensively. Didn't really give him the opportunity to show it over the course of you know, weeks as a starter. The benefit of the doubt that other guys like Harrison Bader, uh, you know, even to an extent last year, like I mentioned, Jairo Munoz, these guys had more benefit of the doubt than Rosarena, and all he ever did was hit. He never did fail. That's what's got to be really frustrating when you look at back at that trade, what he's doing now for Tampa Bay, now helping them advance to the ALCS and a 1-0 lead over Houston. All he's ever done is thrive and never really got a full chance to thrive with the Cardinals. So right now, let's get to his his numbers for what he's done this postseason. And this is prior to yesterday's game because I've noticed this looking up for NFL stats and MLB stats lately. Google is not populating them for whatever reason. I can't just click on the game and find the stat. And so I'm on baseball reference. They don't even have yesterday's game in there. That might be part of it. Might be some kind of issue going on with stats in sports right now. But I can tell you before yesterday's game where he homered and went one for four against the Houston Astros, Rosarena was hitting 444 with a 500 on base and a 926 slug. So yesterday was his fourth home run of the postseason in 31 at-bats. That's a pretty nice home run rate. He scored nine runs, 
13 hits, two doubles, a triple, and four homers. So he's got seven extra base hits in just a couple of weeks of action where he's been a starter in every single game in which he's played. Eight starts for a Rosarena in the postseason. And you see what he's able to do with consistent opportunity. Now, I don't know that he's going to continue to be the best player in baseball over the course of his career. He's certainly having an October to remember. But it's got to be frustrating to watch for Cardinals fans because when you think back to the offseason, the trade that was made bringing in left-handed pitching prospect Matt Liberatore, Cardinals sent Jose Martinez and Rosarena to Tampa Bay in that deal. When it happened, it was like, look, you know, the Cardinals have made it clear they're going to go with these internal options for their outfield. They really seem to, whether this is right or not, they seem to have Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader and even Lane Thomas higher in the pecking order than Rosarena as far as getting the first crack at opportunity. Now, is that a deal where general manager supplies the roster and the manager makes out in the lineup and over the course of last September, Randy Arozarena wasn't part of that lineup and the same thing in the, in the postseason. He was on the roster, but he was he was he never drew a start in that series. And so John Mozalak says if if the guys that are getting playing time are O'Neill and Bader, then maybe the one we, we, we trade is a Rosarena. Or is it a situation where the Rays wanted an outfielder? They obviously, if they if they traded for Jose Martinez and a Rosarena, they were thinking about how to add to their outfield. You know, they shipped off Tommy Pham to San Diego, got Hunter Renfro back. So they were mixing things up in their outfield during the offseason anyway. And so was it a situation where they were looking at outfielders and they said, this is the guy we want to target? Because I don't think you give up. You don't go out, you know, seeking to trade away a prospect a left-handed pitching prospect, Matt Libertor. I don't think you do that at his age. It's not like they were looking to ship him off. I would have to believe, and this is just speculating, but it makes sense to say if the Cardinals are engaged with the Rays and trade talks, and, and the Cardinals always looking to add pitching, especially young pitching prospects, if you, you know, he's a regarded prospect. It, it, we don't know whether his career will take off or not, but understanding the way the Cardinals go about trying to acquire and develop pitching, Matt Libertor makes a lot of sense for their organization. I don't think anybody's questioning that. And hopefully he turns out to have a good career for them on the mound in St. Louis. But when when the, those trade talks come together, I feel like, okay, if you're the Cardinals, you're looking to move Jose Martinez. You're looking to just get value for him because you don't necessarily anticipate that he's going to have a role on your team, a, a role big enough. Like, you didn't anticipate the designated hitter. And so, Jose was a guy they were looking to move, dating all the way back to the previous year. And they weren't able to get it done at the deadline, weren't able to find the fit. And so, you come into the offseason, and if you can find a fit, great. You know, the 40-man roster crunch is a real thing they're having to contend with as well. And so, I'm sure they had been shopping him for some matter of time. So his inclusion in the trade, not surprising. The fact that they would target a guy like Matthew Libertor, also not surprising. 
Randy Rose Reina's inclusion, I feel like, had to come from the Tampa Bay side to say that's specifically the player they were looking for. And the reason I would guess that is because Tampa Bay, in their front office, is about as good at evaluating values in talent as you're going to find. Think about some of the moves they've made kind of under the radar deal. That's why I like them so much as a team coming into the year. For one, I've always enjoyed and appreciated the moves they've made, the roster moves, the trades, the signings, to be able to bring in talent that maybe, you know, it's like the new age version of Moneyball. It's, it's, they're going to build a team and you might not have a whole lot of star power. You know, they've got Blake Snell and Tyler Glasnow as a great acquisition via trade in the, the Garrett Cole deal. Austin Meadows, maybe one of the more prominent position players. But otherwise, they've just got a, a lot of guys that are pretty good, and they fill the role, and they fit in really well with the way the Rays approach things analytically. They're going to try to beat you with matchups. They're going to, you know, it's it's a very specific way of, of building a team that I think has been very successful. But to me, a lot of that is talent evaluation. And so you're looking for diamonds in the rough. They look at Randy Rosarena, and they see, which again, I don't. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. The way he hit in AAA and then never got a chance for the Cardinals when the Cardinals, the whole freaking time, were desperate for outfield production. So it's a wonder. I mean, it, it, from that from that point of view, and that's the point of view we're going to have to get into as we look this off season into how the Cardinals are going to fix not only their outfield but just collectively their production offensively. Something's got to give. But my goodness, it looks like you had the guy there all along. And for whatever reason, he wasn't part of the group that you were going to allocate playing time to. And so Rosarena goes to Tampa Bay. They get the guy they want. And when I say specifically targeting a Rosarena, if they're having these negotiations, do you think the Cardinals floated Tyler O'Neill's name? Maybe they did. I'm sure a lot of things come up that we really never end up knowing about. But again, I'm happy to idly speculate here. If they're having a discussion and the Cardinals are like, we'd, we'd like to have Libertor, that's that's someone we, you know, scouted, whatever. We we like his talent. What's it going to take? And they say, we got this outfield depth. I know you're looking for outfielders. What about, you know, what do you think of Tyler O'Neill? Well, you know, he's closer to arbitration. Haven't, haven't necessarily seen it pan out at the big league level, but I'm sure based on his minor league numbers and different things, maybe Tampa would have had some interest in him. Harrison Bader? More of a defensive-minded outfielder, but we've seen, you know, his athleticism on display. He's he's got tools, you know. But again, another guy maybe a little closer to arbitration had a year or two under his belt that a Rosarena didn't have. They look at a Rosarena, you think years of control, cost effectiveness. Those are things that Tampa's definitely going to figure in. But it wouldn't surprise me to know, and and we really never will find out if all these Lane Thomas is another name. If all these guys were being floated and a Rosarena was the one the Rays kind of honed in on from the Cardinals side, it's like, well, he's not, we're not, you know, we're not playing him anyway. I don't know internally how the Cardinals evaluated the futures for kind of that group of four outfielders because we heard talks about the Mets inquiring about some of the outfielders, including Harrison Bader, in a potential trade, last trade deadline for a pitcher. I believe it was Zach Wheeler. Now, those are just, you know, rumors that get reported, and, and we, we'd never end up knowing all of the trade talks that go on. I'm sure 
there are more conversations that happen because every team should be having these conversations. You've got to be doing due diligence, finding out who's available, who you like, who other teams like that maybe don't fit exactly what you're looking to do. That's how you that's how you maximize value in trading. And so I'm sure the Cardinals were aware that teams were asking about their outfielders. The Cardinals were aware that they were probably looking to move one. And then the, the, the guys that remained would be part of the competition for this year to replace Marcelo Zuna because they knew they weren't bringing him back. And they Cardinals obviously high on Harrison Bader, didn't want to trade him. And so we'll never really know if it was a deal where the Rays would have taken a different outfielder or if that's the guy they targeted. But if I had to guess, Rosarena was probably the guy they targeted because they're very intent upon the way they do these these deals in Tampa Bay. Look at the trade they made for Mizzou pitcher, former St. Louis high school pitcher, Peter Fairbanks. Pitching for them out of the bullpen, one of their one of their big arms, that he made a rapid rise through the organization of the Texas Rangers last year, started the season in A-ball, made it all the way to the big leagues, obviously had a huge arm with a wipeout slider, a very different kind of slider with a lot of movement, hard slider. And the Rays saw something in him, despite the fact that he was giving up bombs and was, was walking guys. They liked his strikeout rate, and they said, we can hone this, and they traded for him at the deadline last year. And he wasn't a guy like rapid rise through the system. They threw him into some major league games. He bounced back and forth between the big leagues and the minor leagues. Was a, you know viewed maybe by them as a fringe guy who they were maybe not expecting to make the ascent that he did after getting through some injuries previously in his career. But the Rays saw the, the massive potential and said, now's the time to get on this guy because if we wait, we might not have the opportunity to get him because the, they're going to demand a lot more in the future if, if they see this guy as a you know cost-controlled reliever, throws 100, going to be a value for us for three, four years out of our bullpen. So they strike when the iron's hot. And that's why when this trade happened with a Rosarena, it was like, well, man, the Cardinals, Matt Libertor, I mean, that's a that's a name that's, you know, regarded as a prospect, same draft class as Nolan Gorman, uh, you know, childhood teammate of Nolan Gorman. Everybody was excited about getting that kind of player. And I don't necessarily think the Rays trading him away is an indictment of him. I think it maybe spoke to how much they really wanted Randy Rosarena. And understanding that if the Cardinals ever wake up and decide to play this guy, we're not going to have the chance to trade for him. But right now, they maybe don't know what they have in him, so let's go get him. And that's what they did. That's the way I bet that trade went down. And now you're you're sitting here as a Cardinals fan. Team's been eliminated from the postseason. First, got to watch Luke Voigt continue to do his thing for the New York Yankees. And then Tampa Bay knocks the Yankees out, and you're watching Randy Rosarena do it. You're watching him help carry his team as the number three hitter in their lineup. He's batting in the middle of the order for a team in the ALCS. Cardinals were in the NLCS last year. He couldn't crack the lineup, though. I, not because there were, there were so many offensive producers in that lineup that he just couldn't fit in. That wasn't the case. They got blanked by the Washington Nationals for much of that series. So, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely a frustration factor, and it's going to be kind of one of those something's got to give situations with the Cardinals when it comes to 
you know, these talent evaluations and letting go of guys that then go and produce really well elsewhere. Is it a deal where Cardinals couldn't get the most out of them because they weren't supplying the right opportunities? Or is it the coaching those players received in St. Louis? I don't think you could really chalk it up to that in a Rosarena's case because all he did was hit. Then when he got to St. Louis, he didn't really get to play. So that's not necessarily a fair evaluation to say it's on the coaching for that. But, you know, what? what is it that the Cardinals aren't recognizing the talent that they have that go elsewhere and thrive? It's easy to look up and say, oh, the Cardinals should have kept this guy or kept that guy because look at what they've gone and done. That's hard. That's a hard thing to do in the moment. And while last year I was clamoring for Randy Rosarena to get an opportunity, I wasn't immediately deriding this trade as a bad one when it happened because I said, well, you know, Cardinals had to trade one of these outfielders. Maybe they traded the wrong guy. I remember saying, yeah, he could, they might have traded the wrong guy, but, you know, they've still got these other players that they believe in, and so they're going to give opportunities to those players, and they pick up a nice pitching prospect in the process, somebody that could be a starter for them down the line. Left-handed starter, that's a, that's a sensible move. But all we really knew at the time was the fact that the Cardinals weren't playing this outfielder, and so did he really have a future in the organization? Same thing happened with Luke Voigt. Again, would, the, would either of those guys have performed in St. Louis like they're performing now? You know, it's really hard to say, and it's even harder to say the reasoning for that, but it sure is easy to look up and say, what did they do? I mean, this was this was a bad move. It's easy to look up and say all that now. Want to be fair to the organization to recognize as I said in the, the previous podcast, kind of wrapping up the 2020 season, looking ahead, we got to recognize that there have been good moves made. That being said, at some point, you have to be judged by the results of the moves that you've made. And with regard to an offense that has struggled for consecutive seasons now, despite reaching the playoffs, the Cardinals have not had good offensive teams. And constantly the conversation surrounds improving on the offense and how they're going to be able to accomplish that it's really difficult to look up and see Randy Rose rain it you have to say look that's a miss that's a miss even if Matthew Libertor turns out to be what the Cardinals thought he could be and and you know it's a miss if they didn't try instead to offer up Harrison Bader or Tyler O'Neill or Lane Thomas or anything else they could have done if they really just had to get their hands on Matt Libertor who I, I'm still high on and believe he could have a good career did they exhaust all the options? They probably did. Like I said, I think Tampa Bay might have just had their eyes on a Rosarena and they got their prize, and now he's performing maybe the way they thought he could. But for the Cardinals, you've had the pitching. Pitching was not the problem this year. Their pitching, against all odds and circumstances, were able to get them into the postseason and, you know, a win away from the NLDS again in that game against San Diego. Jack Flaherty did that. The offense didn't show up in that game, so you weren't going to win. They didn't score runs. They got shut out in that game. What are you going to do? That's not a that's not a, a pitching problem. It's an offense problem. But unfortunately, as it turns out, they may have traded away one of the guys that could have helped elevate the status of this offense. I mean, if you're looking ahead to 2021 for the Cardinals, probably have Harrison Bader penciled back into center field, probably have Dexter Fowler penciled back into right field, they're not going to make a huge free agent signing. I feel like they could improve things by the the trade market. But you'd have to be trading pitchers for hitting, not the other way around. That's what they did last offseason. 
and it didn't pan out with regard to their 2020 roster. Again, it could pan out long-term if Libertor is a, a quality player. But what they did is they traded offense for pitching. Now you look at the strength of the organization, which always was the case. You say, how are we going to find any hitters? We're going to have to trade some pitching <laughs> to find some offense. So I don't know exactly that I have a high degree of faith in the Cardinals to be able to execute the kind of move that can improve their offense immediately and dramatically by maximizing the resources, the pitchers in their organization, if they feel they've got a surplus to trade for for position players that can have an immediate impact. Other teams are making these trades. That's what's frustrating. I think John Mozeliak's done a good job to, to be able to keep the Cardinals in contention every year. I mean, virtually every year of his reign as the, the leader of this baseball operations department, he has kept the Cardinals in contention, above 500 virtually every season. There's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for not tanking, for not throwing in the towel for not having games by late July that you're like, this doesn't matter anymore. We don't have a chance this year anyway. Let's, we're, we're, you know, the interest in the baseball team, virtually every game that the team has played has been there because it's been something that's had meaning. There's been meaning behind all these games. And I think there's something to be said for that. But the Cardinals, to take the next step, they're going to have to win some more of these trades. And I'm not saying the Luke Voigt trade's a bad trade. I'm not saying Luke Voigt would have been a superstar at Bush Stadium like he is in Yankee Stadium. I'm not saying the Cardinals have not benefited tremendously from having Giovanni Gallegos as part of their bullpen. But they've proven they can develop and and find and fine-tune these pitchers. They haven't proven that they can do that with, with hitters. Hopefully, I talk about next year, Dylan Carlson's your everyday somewhere in the outfield, left field, wherever it may be. And now you know you probably have the designated hitter in play. And if you don't, you will by 2022 again if they take it a year off because of the CBA and then they bring it back. Not exactly sure what's going to happen with some of the rule changes we saw in 2020. But you know that long-term the DH is going to be here. And so don't worry about having a spot for a guy or not. That's what the Tampa Bay Rays do not do. They don't bother with do we have a spot for this or that. They just get the talent and they figure out the rest later because they're so adept at the matchups and in utilization of their assets, of their roster. I mean, did, if you looked at their roster last year before the trade for a Rosarena and Jose Martinez, do you think that it would have screamed, we need an outfielder? Because it didn't. They've got a whole bunch of guys that are all solid to pretty good. They've got names they don't have to worry about it being the same guy in, in the same outfield spot every single day, and they win anyway. And I respect the hell out of the way they go about doing that, and it's it's inventive, it's creative, it's new age. You've got the Rays, it's like, well, does this guy classify as a bench player, or is he a starter, or is he... You've got probably a bunch of guys that are just going to get 480 plate appearances during a season... You might not get a whole lot of them that are going to be 600, 680 as far as starting 160 games a year. But that's okay because you've got the talent to to get you through, and you're seeing right now that can work. That model can work, especially when you have a bullpen like they have and some starting pitching like they have. They've been creative in the way they've gone about it. The Cardinals have that kind of bullpen. They've got those, those horses on the pitching side. On the offense side, they don't. They don't have the horses right now, and if they do, they're maybe not utilizing them to the 
best of their capabilities. I think it's more of a don't have the horses thing. I don't think it's a deal where where Mike Schultz is just not drumming up the magic lineup every day. You you know, you saw them try to use some different players this year and across the board offensively, it just wasn't there for the Cardinals this year. And again, as Mike Schultz would be quick to tell you, and he's not wrong about this, there were some circumstances that worked against the Cardinals this year to be able to produce to their best capabilities. They had a 17-day COVID layoff. Nobody else had that. The Marlins had their layoff, but I don't even think it was maybe as long as the Cardinals because the Cardinals had that stopping and then starting again issue where they couldn't get it going. And, you know, the Marlins are no longer in the postseason either. They were eliminated by the Braves. So it's fair to mention, though, the the Cardinals did have some situations to deal with that other teams did not have. And so if you want to chalk that up to the reason their offensive numbers were were so poor, that's okay. But these are a lot of guys, like Matt Carpenter, for instance, he was poor in 2019 too. And so I can't necessarily give benefit of the doubt there anymore where I was comfortable doing it at the end of 2019 and going into 2020. I said, okay, you have this vision for what your team's going to be. You think Carpenter can be this. And here's why you think Tyler O'Neill can be this, and here's why. I've got no reason not to to go ahead and trust in you, a team that made the NLCS last year, a team that showed marked improvements defensively with your pitching. You showed these improvements that you that you said, here's what we're going to do. You went out and did it. This year it's going to be this same staff is going to find a way to fix the offense. But that didn't happen. And so now I can't go into another season in 2021 giving the benefit of the doubt to all these same players. You know, there are off seasons where movement needs to be made. There are off seasons where you don't want to overreact. I think this has to be a mixture of the two. I don't think you can just stand still. You don't want to overreact as a, as a group to say, burn it all down. None of these guys are any good. But you've got to pick and choose which guys you think had a, you know, a bad season offensively and it was an aberration and here's why. And you've got to pick and choose which guys you say, you know, maybe this is the guy we need to move on from. Find a way to extract the value we can in a trade and see what we can do here. John Mozeliak's got to pick that out. He's got to find he's got to find those balances and and figure out a way to kind of rebuild this roster, reshape this roster, because again, it's still a postseason team. It's a team that should be expected to contend again in 2021. Even with the injuries, it's a team that's got the pitching to do so. It's just offensively, you got to figure out what to do. And I know the Yachty thing and the Wainwright thing is going to hang over this team until that gets figured out. But, you know, elsewhere there there are moves to be made. And I think in addition to whatever happens with, with the veteran battery of Wain, Wainwright and Molina, I think the Cardinals have got to be moderately active in, in making some under-the-radar kinds of moves. And they've got to work out. If you're going to say we can't spend big, which I'm sure that's going to be kind of the line they're going to tout this year, which uh, that's okay. I understand the, the the COVID circumstances are going to make spending difficult for a lot of teams. And so this isn't going to be a big splashy offseason. But I don't think it's going to be prudent to stand still with the roster you have now and run it back out there in 2021. I know Mike Schilt repeated the this fact frequently, and John Mozeliak repeated this fact frequently, that they never really did play – 2020 with the team they thought they were going to have in spring training and that's unfortunate and I understand that's that's a difficulty but you also figure a lot of teams 
say that on an annual basis because of injuries. And so while COVID threw a, a big curveball into the Cardinals roster, it's not all that different when it's all said and done, you know, because those injuries are going to happen. Every year those injuries are going to happen. And so even though it hit the Cardinals a little bit more more hard, more fast than it ever had before, and then it would in a, a normal situation, a normal season, I still think by the end of the year you have enough to evaluate most of these guys and say, what should our expectations be going into the next season for these particular players? And where are the gaps? Where do we need to fill in based on those changing expectations? Because it doesn't mean you, like I said, you don't have to tear the roster down. You don't even have to tear the offense down. But you have to adjust expectations and say, if we're not sure this guy can be that, is bringing back Brad Miller enough to cover us there? Or do we need to go get a player like this that we think could potentially complement the guys that we have. Under the radar, making these savvy moves is going to be really key for the Cardinals this offseason. And it's going to be exciting to see how the Cardinals go about that. Not only the decisions that are coming regarding players that could be departing, could be returning, remains to be seen, but also what kind of outside additions the team might want to make. We're going to cover it all here on B-Shape Daily. Thank you all once again for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Would love to have you subscribe so that you never miss a future episode. You can check us out at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere else you want to go for your audio podcast. And give me a follow on Twitter at bshafer12. It's the same for Instagram and Facebook. It's at bshafer12. Going to be talking Cardinals baseball all off season, all kinds of stuff on bshafe daily on this podcast feed as we roll toward the winter. That's going to do it for this episode of B-Shape Daily. Once again, appreciate you guys for tagging along, and we will talk to you next time.